want a safe country, and it starts with the borders, and that's the way it is. And he said we're not going to be a migrant camp, and I think that those are hugely popular uh, sentiments across the country. I think that's a winning political issue. This particular part of it, though, the kids at the border, not as two-thirds of Americans don't approve of uh, of that whole thing, according to a new Quinnipiac poll that is out. Um, 90% of Democrats uh, don't like it. Somewhere around 70% of independents. But uh, Republicans, 55 to 35, do support it. 55% of Republicans support it. Right. Um, but uh, two-thirds of all Americans are uh, against it. Uh, listen, I want to pay off a promise I made, but first let's welcome David Drucker, senior political correspondent for the Washington Examiner to the show. Hello, David. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you? Terrific. Hey, listen, uh, what I want to... You're terrific when children are be separating from their mothers. I'm fine. So, um, what I promised before the top of the hour news was that uh, just a very brief explanation how we got to this point. It's always been the case that if people are arrested at the border, as opposed to dealt with administratively, they're separated from their children. The Obama administration uh, didn't arrest many people, and and more on the politics of that. Uh, The Trump administration has announced a zero-tolerance policy for people coming across the border. Everybody gets arrested, which means uh, many more children get separated from their families. So it's it's a, a choice on enforcement. It's not really a difference in well, it's a difference in policy, but merely in terms of who gets arrested. So that's how we got to this point, more or less. Is that right, David? Is there anything you'd like to clarify, correct, or extend? I, I think you're more or less correct. Uh, and, and and here's the here's the key that we've been learning. The Obama administration would arrest people uh, who were crossing illegally if, when they were detained, um, it was determined that they had an, a warrant out for their arrest. There was an outstanding criminal matter from the last time they had been in the U.S., uh, presumably illegally. In that case, they would arrest um, the illegal immigrant, and if they were had their small young children with them, they would be separated from those children because you, you cannot put children into jails for adults. Right, and the Obama administration, um, administration separated plenty of families, a, a much smaller number than is happening now, though. Right. What what this administration is now doing is treating every illegal immigrant as a criminal and arresting them. And and Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, has been very clear about this. If you're crossing the border illegally, and I think Kristen Nielsen, the Homeland Security Secretary as well, you're automatically a criminal if you're if you're crossing the border illegally. So they're they're arresting everybody that they detain, not just those that have a warrant out for their arrest or an outstanding criminal matter from, let's say, the last time they were in the U.S. The Homeland Security Secretary stressed that if you go, if you try to request asylum at a recognized legal port of entry, she said they are not arrested and separating. But if you request asylum anywhere else, they are arresting and separating. That is a difference in policy, not in law, but in prosecute and how the law enforcement uh, branch of the government, the executive branch, is enforcing the law in the books. And, of course, we all know that every administration looks at every law a little bit differently and chooses different ways to enforce them, and that every administration loves to claim executive privilege when it suits them and loves to blame Congress when it suits them. Yeah, fair enough. So, listen, I want to make sure we have plenty of time for the politics of it, because I know that's what you're covering. The Republicans seem to be quite fearful that this is awful PR ahead of the, the midterms. Yeah, they are. I mean, I talked to a number of them yesterday. 
I make it a point. I mean, I can't stress this enough. You know, I don't go looking for the biggest Trump critic on the block and the guy who, you know, would, would you know, run in front of a bus meant that President Trump uh, was no longer president. I try to find Republicans that keep their eye on what's going on in the country, that want the president to succeed and want the Republicans to retain control of both houses of Congress in the midterms. Everybody that I spoke to almost, not quite, but almost everybody said that this is horrible PR. The pictures are horrible. Where the House is going to be contested in suburban battlegrounds, it's not going to work. And so you have a situation where they want this thing dealt with. Nobody told me that it was bad policy or bad politics to enforce the border or do something to stop illegal immigration. But they said most of the people I talked to said that going about it this way was creating a scenario whereby the goal was going to be overshadowed by the pictures. And I think one um, comparison that I'm stealing from from others is uh, Hurricane Katrina. You know, everybody that that still sticks with President Bush as like an albatross. And it, but it was really all about the pictures. You know, he was taking a look at the damage from Air Force One because he didn't want to go there, and disrupt recovery efforts. He was trying to show deference to the governor, who always has, you know, the first um, line of command in responding to a natural disaster in their state. He had been a governor. Nobody cared. They wanted to know where the federal government was when they saw all those pictures of so much suffering. And this is, a, it's, this is I think, a similar case where it's not about toughening up the border or trying to do something to stop illegal immigration. It's about the pictures and the audio, and it's, it has the potential which is why I think you see senators like Ted Cruz, of all people, who's never been a squish on illegal immigration, proposing a bill to do something about it and using, when he talks about it, the language of these separations of children from their parents is not acceptable and must stop immediately. Well, Trump, Trump has got so many positions on immigration that are very popular, and I think the Democrats will run against him on it, and I think he wins on that issue, and that is the you know, merit-based and reducing uh, the amount of immigration. All these things are very popular. They poll very well. But he's going to ruin it all with this. So what do, you think's his, what do you think his political calculation is? I don't really think he makes political calculations that way. I think he's an instinctive player. I think his instinct tells him to get tough and the politics be damned. It'll be on his side because the fake news always says he's wrong and the fake news is always wrong and he knows what he's doing and he has enough people around him, including some very smart Republicans who are not, you know, just here because of Trump, that are telling him that this is not a losing issue. Uh, maybe they need to make some adjustments in how they message it. Well, the messaging but, uh, is terrible. I was just when I was listening to you explain it, I thought if they had come out at the beginning and explained it the way you did, I think the numbers would be closer to 50 percent than it is two thirds against right now. Just first of all, just make it clear. Hey, don't come to this country. If you do, this is what will happen. But they they didn't. They they let well, the go to a I port have, of entry. They let the I, pictures I, I show to, up before. Say, I have to say, Jeff Sessions and Chief of Staff John Kelly actually did make these points and make them pretty clear. But people don't hear these things. I, you know, over the years, whether I'm talking about Republicans or Democrats, and there's always this issue of well, if it would only be messaged the right way or whatever. If an issue cannot sort of stand on its own to be messaged this way and that, then you've got a problem. 
And I do think, while it's true that I think there's more support for the president's immigration policies in general than people realize, I don't think it's overwhelming everywhere you go. And it's very complicated because, you know, for instance, um, the majority of Americans want the DACA kids or participants or eligibles legalized. Um, it hasn't been done yet, uh, but you know it, it, these things are. But, but the president's taking a harder line on it. I don't know that it's really costing anything for that. I mean these these things are very um, they're they're just they're very complex. And depending on how they're talked about, where in the country you are, look if you're running for Senate in North Dakota, I think you can take a hard line on immigration, notwithstanding its impact on the economy there because of the agriculture economy. Um, if you're running in a suburban uh, district that voted for Hillary Clinton and you're a Republican um, and people are a little bit more you know, compassionate about how they look at politics, um, it's possible. And especially in a border state where people are much more, I mean, you guys understand this too, I think. On the one hand, you know, you experience the ills of illegal immigration more, but you're also much more used to it. and It's much more ingrained in your economy in terms of immigrants, whether legal or illegal. And I think you tend to be a little bit more lenient on how immigrants, legal and illegal, are treated more. You look at it as a more integrated part of the economy, and you want them treated with a little bit more, I guess, understanding, if you will. Well, that's increasingly increasingly true. Final note, David Drucker, senior political correspondent with the Washington Examiner. There are a handful of bills that the various parties are trying desperately to pass. Uh, will any of them? I don't know. It's been so hard for uh, Congress uh, for the past 10, 15 years to do anything on immigration. The president is supposed to be on Capitol Hill today, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time, so middle of the day out there where you guys are, to talk about this. And we'll see if, you know, they, they come to a meeting of the minds. The thing with the president, uh, for better or worse, is he'll he'll seem inclined to support something and then talk to somebody else five minutes later and change his mind. So it's hard to pin him down, and that makes Republicans on an issue like this scared to move and anger the base and everybody else is close to an election. How dare you suggest that? David Drucker, senior political correspondent, Washington Examiner. David, great to talk to you. Thanks. Anytime. Thank you. All right. I suggest the president changes his mind frequently. How dare you? I hate that this is true, but it's always true. If you're explaining, you're losing. Which sucks, because often the, the the easiest thing to explain is the emotional argument. Right. And so somebody could explain the immigration policy and how it works, blah, 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 and it could all be actually factually true, and most people would agree with it if you had an hour to explain it to them. But your opponent's going to stand up and say, this is not who we are, and the crowd is going to cheer. <laughs> and that's going to be the end of the argument. And it will lead to ruin. Emotionalism in government leads to ruin. But I would think if the president, and it can't come from John Kelly, Jeff Sessions can't explain anything to anyone. I can't, I can't understand, though he talks so well weird i can't follow what he's saying ever well jack i can follow him perfectly well but you're right he can't (laughs) he could not explain how the sun keeps the earth warm and nobody listens to the chief of staff of the president i think the president would have had to call you know one of his national i'm going to speak to the whole country things and say very clearly well as clearly as he can in in, in, as few words as possible Mm. Don't come. You can avoid this problem by not coming. Right. There's no chance of this happening if you don't try to sneak in. But if you sneak in, we'll enforce the law. Walk away from the microphone. I think I think at least 50% of America would say, yeah, okay, I get that. I want to share two realities with you after the break that will change your mind about this whole thing. With all due respect to the unhappiness of the little kids and, and their parents, in the cases that it is their parents, which is a bit of a, a hint, 
But yeah, there are two realities you really need to know to talk about this at all, and I'll hit you with them. I actually thought we were going to get somewhere on illegal immigration because the president was on the right side of like three big issues. But then he jumps into this thing. And neither party wants to solve it. That's a stumbling block. He's working against that. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The U.S. Golf Association has issued an apology after this weekend's broadcast of the U.S. Open picked up audio from two fans in the crowd graphically describing a sexual encounter. (laughs) Said a spokesman, we're sorry, that disgusting conversation interrupted our coverage of balls and holes and shafts. Elon Musk claims there's a saboteur inside his company. Hmm. He told employees yesterday that they caught. So uh, details on that coming up. So listen, uh, a couple of things you need to know about the current debate about immigration and the crying little children and the rest of it. Uh, and and we, we've pointed out a bunch of it already. You this think morning. the kid was faking the crying? Th- that was a kid trying to cry. I know that sound. Wow. I'm not saying kids don't cry. It's not upsetting. What is, is where what is where your heart would normally be? Just more blood or what? <laughs> we don't, what fills we don't have space? time for this emotional foolishness. <laughs> so a couple of things you need to know. If you are applying for refugee status and you do so at a port of entry of the United States, we're we're equipped to deal with that sort of thing. You won't be arrested. You'll be asked to remain a guest prior to uh your hearing. Uh, you may be fitted with an ankle bracelet. You'll be told to appear. You get to keep with, you stay with your kids. It's only when you sneak across the border and take your chances on getting caught. Some people do get apprehended intentionally. But if you apply at your own country or you go through a, a lawful port of entry of the United States, you won't be arrested. So you're not going to get separated from your little kids. So it's the coyotes who they are so up on American immigration law way more than you are, my friends. You know, your tax attorney, his job is to know exactly what the developments are in tax law. And he does if he's good or she. These coyotes, these human smugglers, they are intimately acquainted with American immigration law. And they knew during the Obama administration, if you had a child with you, you got different treatment. It's a great dodge. And there are lots of people who have somebody else's kid with them so they can get into the country and get treated more leniently. Often it's their own kids, too, and, and, and often it's a legitimate, we're fleeing from a horrible, horrible existence. I do not lack sympathy with these people. I'm just saying that the idea that we are the agent of action in this, the United States, is just silly. There are many, many actions that have to be taken that are contrary to our laws before the authorities step in. So let's put the the responsibility where it should be. Kristen Nielsen, who is uh, a lovely gal. Uh, but part of the absolutely floundering uh, Trump messaging team did a really good job yesterday of She's sharing the some numbers and of Homeland Security. Yes, go. indeed. And has become the public face of this. Um, in the last She's three a months. She's good-looking woman. 
Maybe we should pile your misogyny at the border because the immigrants couldn't climb over it. Huh? (laughs) In the last three months, illegal immigrants on the southern border exceeded 50,000 people each month. That's the people they caught. Multiples over each month last year. So there's a huge increase. Since this time last year, there's been a 325% increase in unaccompanied alien children and a 435% increase in family units entering the country illegally. There is a huge surge in people trying to exploit this loophole. And the Trump administration, maybe you like the move, maybe you don't. Maybe you think it's stupid politically, whatever, said, all right, we're going to start arresting everybody who comes across the border. And hey, If you're bringing kids with you, that means you're going to get separated. That's the reality of it. Are you sure you want to come? Is that too hard-assed for you? That's too cruel for you? I respect your opinion, but that is what's happening. There's been a 17... Doesn't bother me, just for the record. There's been a 1,700% increase in asylum claims, resulting in an asylum backlog of 600,000 cases waiting to be heard by a judge. 600,000. Since 2013, the U.S. has admitted more than half a million illegal immigrant minors and family units from Central America. More than half a million, most of whom today are at large in the United States, in violation of our laws, because we have no idea where they went. Half a million, wow. At the same time, large criminal organizations like MS-13 have violated our borders, gained a deadly foothold in the United States, etc., etc., The loopholes created a functionally open border because the coyotes know what the current loopholes are. She says, we, the administration, repeatedly called on Congress to close the loopholes, but they won't because neither party is interested. I'm departing from what she said to what I say. Neither party is interested in fixing the problem. What's truly hilarious is to watch the Republicans right now who could have fixed this uh, many times, at least to some extent. And the Democrats equally guilty in this. They could have fixed it when they had power, but they don't. But the the Republicans saying, oh, my God, no, this is too far. This current we're tough on immigration thing is too much. The crying kids are too much. Stop it. Stop it. We got to pass something. The only time they're motivated to pass anything is when it's self-interested. It's pathetic. The deal is. When you get busted at the border, uh, the the uh, the border the uh, what was it called the uh, IHS uh, INS they can only hold kids for a little while. Then this legal ruling back in 04 and supporting laws that followed it say then you got to turn them over to Health and Human Services because the Border Patrol is not in the business of long term care of children. So sometimes that's why the families get separated. That's a very long explanation that makes a lot of sense. But if I'm running against you, all I do is hold up a picture of a crying kid and say, this is not who we are. And the crowd is on my side. I win. That's the unfortunate. That's a reality of politics. You're making me want to hang myself. <laughs> What's coming up in your news, Marshall? <laughs> Immigration battle going biblical today. Oh, boy. Guess who's back in China? Well, it's Kim Jong-un. What is going on there? And Disney issues an Incredibles 2 health alert. This is important. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So I take my kids to the community pool. We really like that. We go down the big water slide and stuff like that. But I got two kids with completely different personalities on following the rules. My one son is like me. I'm a rules follower. I always have been for whatever reason. I feel bad if I get in... Tr- I'm, I'm a grown-ass man. 
And if the 16-year-old lifeguard tells me I'm doing something wrong, I feel bad, and mm. I don't want to get in trouble. Yes. And my oldest son is like that, too. He follows the rules. But my youngest son, he gets on the side. He looks around. Are any of them looking at this direction? And then he does whatever the hell he wants. Wow. <laughs> Send him to me. I'll mentor him. I've been a rule tester my whole life. Because <laughs> you're not allowed to do cannonballs. Oh, so it's he, a silly rule. Go ahead and break it's, that it's one, a dumb, son. It's a dumb rule. So he has to look around and make sure they're not watching. Every day we go to the pool, which is almost every day, he gets he gets whistled and gets in trouble. <laughs> Again, I will mentor him. Some, I will be his Darth Vader. At some point, they're going to kick us out, aren't they? They're going to have a picture of him up by the front door, right. like somebody who writes bad checks. Do don't, not admit. Do not admit he does cannonballs. <laughs> Serial cannonballer. <laughs> Shameless, unrepentant cannonballer. Oh. Speaking of unrepentant, back to Jesus versus the Nazis. The current immigration debate. Oh, wow. Here's the news with Marsha Phillips. Well, with the sound of children crying after being separated from their parents ringing in their ears. Lawmakers in both parties are up in arms over the administration's zero-tolerance approach to illegal border crossing. Several members of Congress visited an immigration facility in San Diego. Democrat Nancy Pelosi saying she was disturbed that Attorney General Sessions had quoted from the Bible to justify the zero-tolerance policy. I would cite you to the Apostle Paul and his clear and wise command in Romans uh, 13 to obey the laws of the government because God has ordained the government for his purposes. Now, Pelosi Which uh, I don't think really needed to be part of the whole conversation at all. No, just personally. it's not helpful. Oh. The Bible! Right. Pelosi offering up a different Bible quote. Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Oh, give me an effing break. Wow, I think the book of Revelation <laughs> says, when the witch of the West shall quote from herein, Cometh the end times. I've got I've got a comment, but I'll wait till the next one. And Hillary Clinton offered up the same biblical advice. What is being done using the name of religion is contrary to everything I was ever taught. Jesus said, Suffer the little children unto me. He did not say, Let the children suffer. So ah, now that's both clever. that's a good so, one. So now both that's sides are one. actually reading Bible verses. By the way, Hillary is clearly thinking about running again. Oh, I had the same impression yesterday. Clearly, I don't, I don't think she said it out loud to any of her friends because they would sit there silent for a while with their jaws open. But right. she, in the, she's thinking about it. That is funny. I was watching her yesterday. I thought she's running. She's running again. In the same way that bees think about pollen. I think that's the only thing that goes like just running, 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 but, running. Oh. But on the Bible stuff, this seemed like the reverse of what I'm often complaining about. It's always bothered me. Like, I'm a small government, low taxes guy. And the Republicans, in theory, believe that. But they don't actually. Whereas the Democrats, a lot of them are uh, socialists, if not communists. They believe that. So when they're talking about big government and everything like that, they honestly believe that stuff. Whereas the Republicans, when they're talking about small government, they don't actually believe it. Drives me crazy. This is the reverse. At least Jeff Sessions actually believes this Bible stuff, whether you like it or not. He means it. That's who he is. Freaking Nancy Pelosi. (laughs) That's completely 100% phony. Same with Hillary. They have contempt for people who read Bible verses and live their lives around them. Right? You don't think you're And right. they're using the Bible verses to make their argument. They have contempt for people who do that. I guarantee you. You don't think Nancy believes this? No. Jesus said, let children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs 
to such as these. Mm, I guarantee you, Nancy Pelosi thinks anybody who reads the Bible and gets any advice from it is scary. That's what Nancy Pelosi thinks, which is fine. But then don't stand up there and read Bible verses and pretend that's your justification for this. Politics is stupid. It is. Signed bum fighting. It is. Politics (laughs) is stupid. So much pretending going on. So much just complete phoniness that happens. Well, and listen, I I have one quibble with your characterization of the parties, and that is that there is a large contingent of Democrats who like big government because they are fully aware that the more tax they can collect, the more handouts they can offer, and the more they can hold on to power. It's not a sincere wish to solve the ills of the world through big government. It's, It's pure power hunger. Switching gears, Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz is going to be testifying before the House Judiciary Committee today. He spent hours before the Senate Judiciary Panel yesterday was fielding questions about his report on the investigation of Hillary Clinton's use of private email when she was Secretary of State. You know, Marshall, I'm sorry, i got to jump in here. There are some listeners who are offended by our use of the term whore. So if you could call Mr. Uh, well, the man, Mr. Eskortowitz, I would appreciate that very much. He was concluding that FBI... Who, who was? Mr. Eskortowitz? Mr. What is Escortowitz. it? Escortowitz. It's not Horowitz. That's All right. harsh. All right. Escortowitz <laughs> concluding FBI under former director James Comey mishandled the Clinton investigation. Comey clearly departed from FBI and department norms, and his decisions negatively impacted the perception of the FBI and the Justice Department as fair administrators of justice. There you go. So Comey's out of the country on vacation. Do you think he's still walking around? I'm sure he is. Walking around with that, I'm right, they just don't understand my brilliance. Attitude that he has. Yeah. Everybody thinks he was wrong. Democrats and Republicans. <laughs> right. Think he made the wrong yeah. judgment. Inspector General. But do you right. think he still feels like, I, I had no choice, I'm, the, I'm right. the only one that understands? Well, yeah, he believes that uh, it's unprecedented times. The, no decisions were easy. Uh, the, uh, no path was was. Without the rocks, and I just took the one I saw fit. What I thought was interesting is Horowitz going on and on about the bias that existed yeah. among the FBI agents, and then the FBI director, Ray, acting like it really wasn't that big a deal. Right. He kept saying they found no evidence of bias, even though Horowitz had just got done saying there, there's bias through and through, all the way through the whole thing. So yeah, I Ray found was, that troubling. Ray was trying to say there's no evidence that the bias affected the, the investigative discussions or whatever. That was the but, time and place for that. But as Lindsey Graham pointed out, the absence of proof is not the proof of absence. True. That and just, I think now is the time to, to, to only talk about how you're going to get things right. 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 What really bothered me is Christopher Ray, and he's a very smart man. He did not. Great sh- hair. He Oh, fabulous. Um, he chose these words uh, deliberately. He said uh, there was uh, evidence of bias among some officials. Some officials? The, the, the guy who runs the FBI, his deputy, and the guy who was in charge of the investigation. You don't accidentally refer to them as some officials. Or a handful, yeah. The, a handful, the handful right. were the most important participants. So the director and the deputy director, that's not a handful of officials, you lying <laughs> bastard. Yeah, that was that. That he, was a dark moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's tough. You want to like the FBI. Right. But I mean, that's just that's an attempt to lie. That that is very close to just lying. Yeah. It is such spin. 
And that's disappointing, if that's the guy that's going to turn things around. Very quickly, in positive Sean's review of what he called the greatest movie of the year, he did not, he did not issue this health warning. Disney is issuing a warning that Incredibles 2 may cause epileptic seizures. While the House of Mouse may have enjoyed that record-breaking opening weekend, a lot of fans are not thrilled. Apparently, there are scenes with the villain screen slaver using a weapon that involves flashing lights and after the film debuted fans took to twitter to vent their outrage to any friends who have epilepsy seizure disorders or light sensitivity please be careful if you're seeing the incredibles too Mm. disney has now issued a warning and people are saying thank you disney for your swift action well i just generally assume that this is a brilliant pr that has worked over many years for movies to put out this sort of crap and then you mention the movies out again uh, how many people are dropping from seizures at the at the movie theater? I don't know. Positive Sean, did you see anyone having a seizure? Nope, not a single person. <laughs> All right. I haven't read a single story about it. You know, I, I know about the warnings and everything now, right. but I haven't seen right. the people no, say, it's, hey, it's, here's it's, a person that's affected. It's really smart. You should just admire the ability of these movie companies to get their their, their the story and that their movie is out there may, out again. Maybe I'm crazy, but I would think that if you are aware of your children or if you as an individual right. have these sensitivities, yeah. you would be, be aware of this yeah. in general about movies <laughs> You'd be careful to begin yes. with. Sure. You would you do would, your actually. due diligence. <laughs> if I had an epileptic kid, I wouldn't take him to movies that, well, probably ever. There you go. That's your news. What? I'm, that's what? The movie theater. It's got a, a giant screen, lots of lights. Doesn't yeah, seem like a good idea. I don't know. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation, Flybird. Would you keep him in a cage like Trump? Yeah, huh? I'd do the Trump thing, the cage how to, thing. How to argue unfairly with Joe Getty. Keep him in a cage. I tell you what. These times are, oh boy. I hope they aren't permanent, because I want to tell my grandkids about them. Oh no, I'm telling you, it was crazy, kids. Ah, people were saying, you had the hardcore secularists quoting Jesus? Calling people Nazis? It's hard. It's, it's hard to imagine where we can go from here, though. I mean, when you have Nancy Pelosi quoting the Bible and CIA directors saying it's like living in Nazi Germany, I mean, right. where do you go from uh, there? It's pretty clear to me. Uh, well, I don't know where you go exactly, but if you talk to any 17 or, you know, 14, 18, 25 year old about somebody posting something really angry online. They'll just roll their eyes. They don't even notice it anymore. I think pretty soon we'll all be deaf to the shouting. Tuning out. Well, okay, yeah. well, that's its own problem. Yeah, it is, absolutely. Then then the scam that is government will grow unfettered. Oh, speaking of which, uh, I tweeted this over the weekend. Might be my all-time favorite quote from my hero, H.L. Mencken. That's good, yeah. About government and elections. It's good. Uh, soccer note. How much of a citizen do you have to be to play on the various teams during the World Cup? Not much. Not much. It it's not out. each country representing their finest on the, the pitch of play. What? Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So Tesla chief Elon Musk says that they had a saboteur working there. An interloper. Who had conducted extensive and damaging sabotage to the company's operations, including allegedly making unspecified code changes to its manufacturing operating system. Wow. And um, and sending sensitive Tesla data to unnamed third parties. So, 
I don't know if this is a company that's struggling a little bit, trying to come up with an excuse, or if that actually happened. Elon's never lied to me. Or if it happened and they're unrelated, I don't know. Uh, the full extent of his actions are not yet clear. He told employees yesterday the stated motivation of the employee was that he wanted a promotion and didn't get it. So that's what uh, you call, in uh, technical terms, an actively disengaged employee. Correct. Who's, who's unhappy with where they're working and go out of their way to actually sabotage the company. And that person apparently did. Wow. Wow. Well, Smart enough to, like, change code and computing to, to yeah. hurt the operation, which would be very expensive problem. I this is say. a critical time for Tesla. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a uh, turning point. Which way they're turning? Not clear. So one of my favorite books of the last, well, my entire lifetime that I've read. Moby Dick. Moby Dick. It's Tale About a Whale. No, it's the Dictator's Handbook. The um, subtitle of which is Why Bad Behavior is Almost Always Good Politics. It's by Bruce Bueno de Mesquita and Alistair Smith. Uh, it is easily comprehensible. Sounds foreign. Separate him from his children. <laughs> it is accessible and interesting to readers of any level. Uh, it is uh, one of the best things about political science I've ever read. I wish I'd read it in college, but it didn't exist at the time. Hell, that, the printing press chances. hardly did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is a completely different way to look at political science. Um, and, and it points out that you know, well, certainly in terms of human rights, there are great differences between um, governments that governments from dictate complete dictatorships to democracies differ only in the number of essential supporters or backs that need scratching. And every regime, no matter how, quote unquote, free or dictatorial, needs to gather up the goods and hand them out to get support. And it's the different ways they do that that shows you how p- political systems function. It's great. But it reminds me of the uh, the indisputable and beautifully worded uh, you know, quote by H.L. Mencken that I tweeted out over the weekend. I said it ought to be taught in every middle school, high school, and college in America. Here's what he said. And, and keep this in mind as you approach the midterms. Keep this in mind as you listen to every single politician jabber. The state, or to make the matter more concrete, the government, consists of a gang of men exactly like you and me. They have, taking one with another, no special talent for the business of government. They have only a talent for getting and holding office. Their principal device to that end is to search out groups who pant and pine for something they can't get and to promise to give it to them. Nine times out of ten, that promise is worth nothing. The tenth time, it is made good by looting A to satisfy B. In other words, and here's your, uh, here's your punchline, Government is a broker and pillage, and every election is a sort of advance auction sale of stolen goods. So true. So the part well, I really we'll, like we'll in post there... that at the website in, in case you don't follow the Twitter. So the part that I really like in there, and I completely agree with, is, is probably the most controversial part of that, because a lot of people wouldn't agree, is that they have no special talent. That, that's for government. That, I agree no. with that, no. but I know a lot of people feel like it's a special class of people that, uh, oh, you know, Lord. that... That should rule us or can rule us. The idea that we, and listen, I'm going to cheat a little on the wording of this to make it a little more obvious, but the idea that we should have citizen legislators, people who are, who are doctors and business people and, and, and nurses and school teachers in government? Oh my God, no. We must have politicians in government. That's an obscenity against the idea of this country, but that is by far the most common attitude. You know, um, Tucker Carlson's big on the on the fact that he does a show on Fox. He's big on the whole elites run this country thing. And he, yeah. he, he does a little screed on that. And he was tying it into the immigration thing yesterday. 
And uh, I thought it was absolutely right. As a guy who comes from small-town America and, and lots of towns and counties that have changed completely in a very short period of time because of immigration, and you don't have to be racist to not like your town changing. Right. That's just normal human reaction. You grew up in a town, it was a certain way with a certain certain language, certain foods, certain customs. You want it to stay that way. That's just human nature anywhere on planet Earth. Doesn't make you racist, doesn't make you a bad person. That's what everybody wants. And then your, cha- your town has changed completely. And in many ways, you'd say, for the worst, now we have crime we didn't used to. Our schools don't work. They used to work fine. You can't get in the hospital. You used to be able to. I used to either know everybody or be able to talk to them. So now some, I can't even talk to the people so, I don't know. So some of the stuff is completely negative. Some of the stuff is just normal human reaction. And as Tucker pointed out, the people who make the rules, their neighborhoods haven't changed a lick in the, since 1960. Right. Their neighborhoods are exactly the same. So while they're lecturing about how you need to be more accepting of the you know changing melting pot, their neighborhoods are exactly the same. Probably every bit as white as they ever were. Everybody speaks the same language, acts the same way, goes to the same schools, does the same stuff. Your richest zip codes in America surround Washington, D.C. There are gates on those country clubs, and it's not to keep the rich people out. Those neighborhoods haven't made drastic changes. They haven't changed nope. a bit. Well pointed out. Yeah, I think, think that that's a, that's a major, major point of discussion. So again, that book is The Dictator's Handbook. I suggest you buy it and read it. It's great. What's it take to be the top 1% state by state? That's kind of interesting. Among other things coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.